the only Star Trek Online podcast that I know of right now that is currently in operation that does stuff regarding the Star Trek Online foundry. I am a host, Duncan Idaho, and here to introduce our cast of merry characters. Starting off with our security officer, Chorog. I protest, I am not a merry man. And we've got Daniel, our man out of time. We've got Daniel. Hi, I'm on my phone tonight, and it's still getting used to swapping between Discord and other things. Yeah, we've got our currently acting captain and chief medical officer and first officer, Eli O'Connor. That's a me. You've got our uh, multi-faith chaplain, uh, Waitley, played by Grumpy Old Lord. So we have Chaplain Waitley. We have Bartender Grimner, although now he's a security officer. And Security Officer Mary. I gave her a last name, but I can't remember what Shepherd, it was. Wasn't it? Shepherd. Shepherd. Shepherd, yes. Mary Shepherd. She and was the chief. She, she will wind up being more important than you will ever realize. And we've got our con officer, Cardoon Ronnie. Marcus Graves gets Borg implants. Why does he get Borg implants? I want Borg implants. And we got our chief engineer, Rick Deer. I make things go. And we've got myself, Duck in Idaho, playing uh, Captain Marcus Graves, Lieutenant Tardigrade, and various other characters this episode. We start off with the USS Reliant flying majestically around Starbase Magellan. Magellan is taking greater shape, there are more ships about, and there's also a Ferengi station in pretty good shape uh, nearby the station. The Archer system is becoming a pretty decent hub for uh, exploration of the sector, and that's resulted in some pretty substantial efforts by Starfleet Leo, uh, er, a burgeoning alliance of uh, the Cadia, Romulan Republic, and Starfleet, to, yeah, jointly explore a region of space. We cut to uh, the bridge of the USS Reliant with uh, uh, Dr. O'Connor sitting in the captain's chair. It's, yeah, pretty early in the morning, pretty chipper, not a whole lot going on right now, kind of expecting a new exploration assignment. And what is Eli doing at this time? Breakfast. What breakfast are you having? Hash browns and bacon. And a waffle. Smell is pretty intoxicating across the bridge. And other officers, including John uh, T. Chartergrade, have broken out the breakfast as well. He is currently eating a uh, set of pancakes. Very delicately. Trying to carve something as he goes down the stack. I want to say that Mary is on the bridge, but she's not eating. But she does lean over to uh, whoever's at the helm and says... Do another turn. It looks so pretty. Ensign Moon is like, okay. <laughs> it just keeps flying the ship in circles. Majestic circles. And stepping onto the bridge is Captain Marcus Graves. Now, Marcus Graves, back in his Starfleet uniform and having four, uh, four, uh, four, no, oh, three pips. Three pips. That's right. Three. Um, uh, with the rank of cap, uh, commander. There you go. I remember things. Oh, hey! Um, what she got there? Uh, I got a uniform and a clean, well, um, commission? I don't want to call it a bill of health, but yeah, Starfleet's clear to be back for duty. Oh. (laughs) I love that! (laughs) 
<laughs> such a good oh you can just see the just see the scene hold for a moment where eli's just like i don't want to give up the chair can we have great... can we have waitley walk on the bridge at that point and just look at eli and go really graves uh says chipperly um i'm just gonna head over to the uh ready room for a little bit so yeah just keep doing what you're doing uh I've uh, got a call waiting for me from uh, Captain Mercer, but yeah, great job, and hopefully we'll be heading out here quite soon. Right, and by the way, the O was because nobody informed, you know, the actual doctor. Yeah, this was like five minutes ago, so I just Ooh. came up here to inform you. I think, like, you're you're technically the first to know. All that, right. That begs a question that I should have asked earlier. Uh, how has, uh, uh, Eli been treating Waitley? Like, because Waitley is technically the second officer, so did he become the first officer during this, or how, how did, how did Eli, uh, treat that? Treated it pretty okay. It's all yeah, fine. Ship <laughs> business, yeah, just pretty standard. Managing those crew assignments, getting those duty officer missions done. Okay. okay. So, so, basically, everything ran the way it always ran, and Wheatley did what Wheatley always does. Okay, cool. That's that's all I wanted to know. Sorry for yeah. intruding on that. No no worries. Yeah, we didn't do any, like, uh, major drama there. So, um, yeah, we, we got up to some other antics. <laughs> so, um, Graves heads over to the uh, ready room to... You know, notify the crew that he's back, and um, yeah, there's a brief little uh, moment here where the crew can kind of react and get onto some other scenes before Graves kind of comes back for their next mission. There's a bosun's whistle drawing Graves' attention to the ready room door. Graves says, come in. Kara steps in and salutes. Uh, sir, I just finished an assignment for Captain Mercer. He said that I should also inform you of the information I was able to gleam. Kara moves over and sits down at the desk and slides a data pad across to him. I've been questioning Captain Renta. She says that with the long-suffering air of someone who's had to deal with an idiot who has risen well above his station. And more importantly, I've accessed various data from the information systems of the Prime Variants. I'm getting a better idea now of what's going on in the Delta Quadrant uh, it does seem like there's been some strange new, I want to say, power of some sort in the Delta Quadrant. Some new nation state of some sort. Uh, we have reports here of various different groups having been attacked in small skirmishes. It doesn't look like anything major so far. It almost looks like what one would call weapons testing. Like the belligerent group is trying to see how well they stack up against everyone else. They've hit everyone, collective, cooperative, the hierarchy. I think that what it sounds like, though, what might be concerning is they have hit the Crenum Imperium. And what I heard is that the Crenum were able to get out a distress call to their allies, the Zal. And then since then, nobody's heard anything from the Imperium or the Zal. All right. Well, that's going to be a lot for War Starfleet to process. But, um, yeah, let's go ahead... Ask this information on any signs that this threat is potentially extragalactic? Unknown, sir. As, as, most of what I have is communication logs detailing wreckage found and weapon signatures. Uh, 
all right. So let's go ahead and um, yeah, let's let's just pass this on right now. I don't think we can really do too much more at this point. But you know, if there's anything coming in from like this corner of the galaxy as well, it'd be you know it'd be bad if it was related. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's it's something that we will again just keep an eye on. Acknowledge, sir. I would state that caution is probably the watchword of the day. Anyone who can hand the collective or the Voth their collective ass deserves respect. Mm. Uh, all right. Um, is that all? No, sir. That was all the information I was able to gain from the Prime Variance computers. All right. Excellent work. I'll get to passing this on. And, um, yeah, I've got a call here with uh, Captain Mercer in just a moment. So um, I'll probably get on the... Uh, the horn in just a moment and we should be hanging out soon well be sure to tell him i already briefed you or he's likely to do so again she stands up and salutes and heads out grave salutes as well uh graves uh, get gets a little uh beat from his communi- communicator uh rick to, to captain graves graves taps his communicator captain graves here um uh, you can hear some like sort of cheering sort of things in the background. Something's going on in engineering as, as uh, Rick T talks. Uh, just wanted to say welcome back, Captain. Um, good to have you back. Um, thanks. Uh, that's, that's it. Uh, um, bye. And <laughs> the, the communicator tab closes down and um, for a brief moment we zoom down to uh, engineering as... There's a brief um, example as, as there's a little, like, maybe four little real drones that are sort of running through a, a racetrack um, laid through engineering as, as, <laughs> <laughs> as there's cheers and, uh, and, and barracking for, for, for one little drone of the other. So this is basically Grave, uh, Baz, uh, Rick Tier trying to butter up to Graves. Like, hey, glad you're back. Uh, never mind what we're doing right now. It's um, just do, doing a little, little, little bit of team building here. Yes. Flex time. Uh, hey, it's not like the Reliance oh, doing anything. Buffer time. Yeah. So with that, Graves sort of gets back on, like Graves has his meeting with uh, Captain Mercer. Gets on the horn and says, all right, crew, we got a little bit of a situation here, or at least the uh, uh, the Alliance, or Starfleet does. Real <laughs> quick, Graves, uh, if I need to make a roll for this for lately, I will. Uh, but uh, at, at one point, Graves suddenly hears a flash in his head kill him. Captain Mercer? Yes. <sighs> He's the Mr. Rogers of Starfleet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Graves just sort of shakes his head at that and um, says, all right, we got a little bit of a situation here. Um, a, a, a Starfleet research base on the planet Uchagra, which is um, uh, just um, to the galactic east of us. Um, it's been attacked. Uh, unknown force. Um, fortunately, you, or more precisely, one casualty um, from the research team that was stationed on the, um, stationed on the planet. Um, rescued by the USS Arcana. We're going to be collaborating with the USS Toledo to um, investigate uh, the situation out that way and try to determine if we've got a larger threat or security situation or hopefully something that we can resolve that way. So we're going to get underway here in just a moment once we uh, form up with the Toledo. 
and head with uh, maximum warp over to the chakra system. Uh, probably uh, good to go to yellow alert once we have warped and just kind of be prepared to handle a difficult situation once we arrive. Um, any questions can be sent over to your departmental supervisors and they can submit questions to me. With that, glad to be back in the command and get out there shortly. There's that. There's a, there's a bit of activity is in engineering as uh, the race is stopped and everyone tries to square things away as business sun, suddenly has turned up. Everything's a bit of a bustle on the USS Reliant as we prepare to get to work. We form up with the, uh, the ad, or, is it an Aventine? Yeah, it's an Aventine class. Um, or, damn it. The, I want to get this right. The, yeah, it's an Aventine, the Aventine class USS Polito. The, uh, Captain Kofok, uh, coordinates with Captain Graves, and they form a, uh, small little plan of action for how to enter the system. Graves assembles everyone at the ready room and conveys the plan, which more or less consists of both ships warp out together and bugger out if things get real bad. Shepard kind of chuckles at that, but doesn't say anything else. Larissa just kind of looks over with a smirk and says, Shall I just arm the torpedoes now, sir? Having some armed would probably be a good idea. Kara, meanwhile, is punched in the course and she's like, Maximum warp, maximum warp. God, we're always in such a hurry. So, any other questions or comments for Captain Graves before we head out? Terminator walks in wearing his new, very unfitting Starfleet uniform. He's got the security yellow and the, uh, what what, what would his rank pip be? Because he's not Um, officially commissioned, but he's commissioned. So would it be like the McKee uh, style? Or would it just be an ensign? Uh, I'd give him chief. Oh, chief. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. All right. So he's got the chief petty officer uh, uh, insignia on his neck. He walks in, and he's he's still adjusting to it. You know, he's like, damn, why do they got to make these things so tight? Uh, Captain, I've been told that you needed a ground team. Yeah, we'll probably need a ground team. Um, if things are clear, we're going to try to recover what we can for the uh, devastated base and check in with the locals. Locals? Hey. All right. Well, let me know what you need me to do. I've got a team that's ready to go. All right. Awesome, awesome. Um, I might put you in charge with the locals because um, their culture is a little bit unusual from the Federa- or from the humanoid standard. So, someone who's good at getting along with people, good at, you know, surfacing what they need, that could be particularly handy for them. He quirks an eyebrow and says, what do you mean, unusual? The Uchagra system is populated by the, well, Uchagrans, and they've got a pre-regimented caste system, where they've got um, individuals who are bred for a particular role, but at the same time, they're able to flip around between those as they gain or lose status. What this has resulted in, though, is a pretty, well, structured society that's kind of been doing its thing for a few millennia, it seems. So, styles of language, styles of communication, styles, I mean, all over, it just is a bit usual, but they are pretty unimitable once someone kind of is trying to speak to their level, and they're pretty accommodating about outsiders. Grimner nods, looks at, uh, uh, who else is in the room? Uh, it's the entire senior staff. 
Okay. So he looks at uh, Dr. O'Connor and is like, that makes sense to you, right? Okay. Perfect sense, yep. I, I have Eli no says idea. from the first officer's chair with the breakfast still in his hand. Scribner mumbles under his breath. I have no idea what any of that means. But he nods and he says, All right, it can do it, Captain. Let's point us in the direction and we'll do it. Awesome. So, is there any other questions? Do you guys hear something coming from the vents? I think that's the bees. I told them to shush, but they don't like to listen. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's Checker's fault. Which one? Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, Alright, love that. Let's get to it. Car heads back the, out to the bridge. The camera pans to the USS Reliant and USS Toledo warping together towards the Ushagra system. As the ships come out of warp, they, well, a, um... Not quite M-Class Planet comes into view. It's very, well, it's got a pretty spectacular ring system as well as a, uh, a single moon. But it also has a lot of glaciation across the surface. And what greenery that um, one can see looks pretty scrubby at that. A lot of brown kind of mixed in there as well. Apparently, though, new chagrins are, um, well, still surviving on that planet. And um, the uh, Reliant and the Toledo now have to scan the system see what else is out there. Car at, this, Car at this point has wandered over to the science station next to Setsa and is looking at the scans. Huh. Cold down there. I like it. Yes, um, well, quite cold, so everyone, you know, prepare their best hats for the you know, cold weather. Make sure they're comfy, because comfy hats make for good exploring. Car just chuckles and shakes her head and moves to give the planet a nice, good biological scan. Nice. Forms. Do 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 do. Give me a roll with insight science. Do 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 do. I'm making Kara do this. Yeah. Waiting for someone to do the song, but the way you just did that was perfect. One success. One success. So you're able to detect that a of that the planet is well understanding undergoing a bit of a period of ecological adjustment. It appears that a supernova sometime back uh, from a local star system created a little bit of shift in the atmosphere as well as the planetary ecosystem. It's holding on just fine, pretty recovering pretty well, but it's been pretty cold down there for a good long while, probably most of Chagra civilization. So, the population doesn't seem to be under any threat. There's no signs of obvious you know, bombardment um, on the planet. Although you're not able to quite pin down what happened around this side of the research base that you have coordinates for. There is a settlement nearby that's pretty heavy. So I, I, I want to interject real quick right here. Uh, as, as Graves is, is you know, monitoring the situation and, and, and explaining everything to everybody, he, he uh, and, and I will roll for this if you want me to, uh, he suddenly has a flash in his brain the ball. Uh, I will, I will make you roll for that one. Okay. I'll also say that upon getting the scan, upon getting the scanning results, Kara suddenly curses very loudly at Ibby and looks annoyed. Um. Okay. So the um for the roll, so uh, Grimier, we, it's going yeah, to be. We we've changed how the rolls work, so I don't know how the bot works now. Okay. So I'll explain that, but uh, let's go with this as a. Command uh, presence roll. So what you do is, okay. I like to do just slash R, 
like there's a couple of ways, there's a couple of new functions. So it's a slash based system. You can go D, uh, D20 and then right. you can get a kind of a drop down menu where you've just got a target. Then if you hit space, you get a target, but then you got a bunch of options. What I like, and this is something implemented because I asked him to, because this is, uh, yeah, the, the bot had to get revamped when Discord did uh, their bot revamp. Slash okay. R, and then you just get a list of parameters, target, dice, difficulty, crit, and comp. And you go through the sequence. So target number, whatever, dice, two, difficulty, one, crit, okay. focus applies. And complication range, 16 here, sending four threat. Oh, oh, okay. I want the complication here. You want Waitley to fuck up. Yes, right. I want Waitley so. to fuck up. I've got something for Waitley if he fucks up. He accidentally sends the message, kiss them all. <laughs> yeah, and when you're doing this slash R and typing in the parameters, oh. it lists the list in the description up top. This is off topic, but has ever, anyone ever had a rubber band melt? And, and what... Yes. What, what did you say the, uh, so I, I, I've got the, uh, the skill target. rating, yeah, the target number, and I've got the D20, and then what was the, the thing um, after that? So, okay, so you're just typing the numbers. So, for example, I'm just going to type in, like, in parentheses oh. here so it doesn't catch. 14 D20. That, that's... And, um, let's say... So that would be your roll. That's what you would type in. So 14, 2 for the target, or the number of dice, 1 for oh. the you never play okay. with it. And then 1 for your, um, uh, I just said 1 for focus, probably 4 or 5, then 16 for oh. So that's the R, So and it's just a space between. Yep. So you just type in R. Waitley would 14. definitely have a focus for this, because of his uh, psychology. He's trying to get into the captain's yeah. head. So how would that play so, into this? Well, you would just increase your uh, critical range. So okay. It would just be instead of one before the 16, you do, say, a four or five, depending on what your corresponding uh, discipline skill is. Uh, command. This command is... I gotta open the character sheet. <laughs> I thought I had this memorized, but apparently I don't. <laughs> okay. uh, let me look. I've got it there. So your command is four. So your roll is 14, 2, 1, 4, 16. You get the hang of it, but yeah, again, you uh, when you're typing this out and you're putting it in the parameters box, it also tells you the order. Yeah, it's not doing a very good job of that on my end. That or I'm missing something. So yeah, something like that. All right. So I just rolled. Ah, I want to go with my roll. <laughs> and actually, that would be uh, four successes seven. because he got the complication ranges for not the... Critical range. Oh yeah. Damn Did it, I do I it wrong? No, you you're you're oh, well you just, it, it's fine. We got the results we needed, so we're good. Yeah. So but the important thing is I wanted to correct him if this wasn't just a success. This is literally the best success that I that Waitley could have gotten. You wanted Waitley to fail. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, it doesn't like Graves going berserk here would really mess up the story. I well, and, and here's the thing. He's not trying to make Graves go berserk. He's just trying to put an idea in his head. You should kill them all. Great. Okay, so Graves hears that clearly, and is sort of freaked out by it. And it sort of just rubs the back of his neck. So 
he gets the message very, very clearly, which is a little weird. You should kill them all. Like, uh, okay, well, that's a bit weird. I'll have to talk to the doctor about that sometime. Speaking of the doctor, can I do an empath roll to see how he feels? Go for it. Woo, what am I rolling? Uh, you're going for an insight, uh, either an insight medicine or an insight command roll. Give you those options. Um, those are both the same, so... Hey! Also, uh, Nord, if you want to just sort of skip all the sort of the additional numbers, just type R and then go your target number, and just interpret the results from the roll manually. Okay. But yeah, it's only if you wanted to, like, automatically say how many, like, um, to do all of the other computations. It's just, but you can just do the raw roll. So, Eli gets, um, also I'd say a focus applies as well. So he's got three successes. So he feels. He does the feelies. I do indeed do the feelies. What do I feel? Uh, so are you doing the empathic role on Graves? Yes. You feel that he's weirded out for some reason, and it's not to do with the mission. Like, something just flipped out. Maybe with the implant? Maybe something else. Captain, are you alright? Um, we'll talk about it later, just, uh, you should focus on what's happening with Uchagra. Um, <laughs> uh, I should also point out that while this has all been a very short period of time, Kara has also let out an extremely loud expletive and nobody has asked why yet. Setsa asks why. We got here just after the climate change. We just missed the great dying. Could you imagine if we'd been here for that? Such science. Mary says, oh, that would have been so cool. Oh, hey, should I? You know what? Never mind. You know, yeah, exactly. We would have had a clear line to evolutionary pressures. That would have been so amazing. That's a raises a hand. Kara face palms and says, yes. Yeah, should we stand for chips? Oh, yeah, probably. Sorry. I'm a biologist, not, yeah. So I'll have Larissa scan for ships. Two successes. Uh, Larissa relays to the uh, rest of the bridge. Um, well, I'm scanning what looks like to be a lot of planetary debris. They have a uh, rusty station, rusty station, rusty ship, derelict ship, rusty station, derelict ship, space garbage, space garbage, space garbage. Pretty cluttered system out there, but I'm not detecting too many active power readings. Just a few warp three transports. Space junk. Whoa. Kara goes and sits back down at the con station. Graves strokes his chin and says, um, well, at least it doesn't look like there's an active hostile presence here. Unless something's hiding around. So let's stay on yellow alert and uh, get into communications range with the Uchagrin settlement that was nearest the research base. Is uh, comms range are relatively short, so we'll need to get within 200,000 kilometers. Yeah, no problem. Is it possible a piece of space junk fell on him? Like a whole last ship or satellite or something? Teams report uh, plasma bombardment, and that's what the USS Arcana was able to detect, but it wasn't able to get a read on the aggressor vessel. Um, it did a long range beam out of the crew. Oh boy, plasma weaponry. That really narrows it down. Yeah. So, alright, let's get this in a little bit closer. I'll relay the information over to Captain Kofak. Got it, sir. We're within telephone range. Waves, hails the uh, uh, planet, sort of stands up, does the Picard maneuver. And it takes a few moments, but then uh, a comm line breaks in, and a, I'm going to stop my time here, and a rather, well, grumpy-looking alien with very wrinkled skin um, appears on the comm range. 
The Rimorandum seems to be, well, a little bit of disarray. And Gr- Grimnir perks up and says, Grumpy? <laughs> uh, they're all somewhat grumpy. And uh, the uh, island in question uh, pops up on the view screen and just says, Oi! Oi! Come you with more space birds? We greet you kindly. So unfortunate. So unfortunate that uh, disaster befell, but what can the great space birds do but uh, crawl at once in a while? Great boons, great boons. Summertime, summertime. No! Great blinks. Uh, you all right down there? Alien nods. Yes, thank you kindly, thank you kindly. We are most good, most excellent. Like little boons bursting forth from uh, delicate snow. Hiding, but when disaster did not befall us, although I am pained to hear the loss of Captain Garver of the ever so magnificent settlement that you constructed near ours. Um, will you be providing the same assistance you once did? Uh, Graves shrugs and says, uh, we'll establish presence here if we can determine if it's safe, but first we need to understand what's going on. No one's tried to contact you after the attack? The alien shrugs and says, not that we could determine, but uh, our, my texts are very well, remiss at telling me the details, so uh, perhaps you could come down, browser wares, and... He just sort of leaves the question open, Graves to sort of side and says, oh, all right, I'll send down a away team, um, I'm going to do so anyway, and... And in the middle of that, Graves hears in his head, kill them all. Graves just sort of slaps the side of his head and says, um, uh, all right, yeah, I'll send a team down right away, and we'll also send a team down to the um, moon base. Um, if anything unusual happens, uh, let us know straight away. Kill them all. No. Why uh, hitting yourself? All right, so at that, uh, the leader um, nods, closes the channel, and Graves turns around and says, all right. Um, Car immediately pipes up. Did he just invite us to go down for shopping after one of our bases just got nuked from orbit? Yes. Mary and Grimnir are both just like, yep, I'm pretty sure that's just what just happened. Are you sure we couldn't be, like, going to help the Bobans or something? Uh, right now we need to take care of this. Alright, let's see, so... Well, I volunteer for the investigation. I don't want to have to go be nice to these people. Same. All right, uh, Doctor, uh, Kara, and uh, R- uh, Rick here. Um, Grimnir raises his hand. I want to be nice to these people. Just a moment. Uh, uh, Kara, Eli, uh, Rick, uh, you are investigating the settlement. Take any additional security personnel that you see fit. Um, Grimnir, you're leading the away team, and I'll... So I assign you, uh, Chorog and Daniel as well. Um, you're leading the away team to check in with the Uchagrins. Uchagrins. Yep, the Uchagrins. So, um, believe that's the first speaker that contacted us. Um, yeah, so I want you to figure out if they're hiding anything. Um, seems pretty unusual that a base would just get attacked and they wouldn't be particularly faced by that. Um... So, Mary raises her hand, says, uh, sir, not to, uh, interject, but, uh, may I accompany the away team? Uh, which away team? Uh, she points at Grimner. That one. It gives a thumbs up. She nods. All right. 
And with that, uh, everyone proceed to the transporter rooms. I'll keep an eye out from up here. Car is actually chewing her lip at this moment and says, Captain, something's niggling at me. Permission to conduct one more scan. Very specific uh, one. Go for it. Car goes over to the science station and scans for Farpoint Canadarians. Interesting. Uh, do an insight science, and Sets is going to be assisting. One success. My insight is poor, though my science is good. Shouldn't the computer also give you a bonus die since you're using the ship? Oh, that, that is a good point. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. I'll, Setsa does not help out here. She is... Uh, <laughs> Setsa has raised her hand, and nobody has noticed. Setsa has raised her hand, no one has noticed, and she's continuing to raise her hand instead of helping Kara. So the Reliant, though, um, will do a sensor's science roll, so that's a 12. Well, we got a success. A success. You do not detect anything resembling a Farpoint Nidarian in the system. Kara just nods and says, okay, I was... Something was eating at me. Something that happened to Jean-Luc Picard back in the day. I don't know. This just... It felt familiar. She heads for the turbo lift. Graves nods. At that point, uh, Captain Kofok, the uh, Tellarite um, captain of the USS Toledo, who also appears somewhat like John Cleese, uh, uh, hails the ship and Graves is sort of in conversation with Kofok as um, the away team begins assembling in the transporter rooms. Do you want to bring anyone else? So we've got security personnel, additional engineering personnel, and additional science personnel. So Setsa, Nissa, um, I want to. I want to take a uh, Rick Tier with us on the basic one. He's already been assigned. Okay, shit. Um, Bryce then. So yeah. Okay, so I was about to Bryce. say, given what we're dealing with here, I want to assign Grawl to the team that's going down to make friends. Okay, Grawl's going to go uh, be the science officer for the team making friends. And if Sets is not doing anything, she could probably come down in science for those of us investigating. That happens too. So uh, you've got your two science officers, uh, and then a good mix Check- of engineering. Checkers is going with the the friend team. Okay, so he's sort of taking over the engineering. The engineering one, one of them, one of the friend teams. Okay, okay. I was about to say he okay. was invited, he was invited to, the shop. to the shop. I mean, one of the checkers. Not, fuck it, both of them. Grimner <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Mary are both just watching all this going, huh? So, um, basically, everyone's sort of assigned uh, in their away teams. Grimnir, you've uh, taken on Checkers and Grawl, our um, little raptor-like uh, uh, anthropologist, um, who, or Z- uh, xenoanthropologist, who is uh, Arcane Flame's character. Okay. Shout out uh, to Arcane Flame. The little and... raptor-like officer looks up and around. Ooh, field work. This is a great opportunity to study. I wonder if they have dogs. We'll see if they have dogs. And the teams are transported down to the surface. Let us begin with the friendship team. So you are beamed down into, well, a particularly nice looking plaza. I mean, it's a little austere, but at the same time, it does look um, not pretty ornate. And it's a little bit of a lively city atmosphere around you with some pretty uh, uh, pretty notable uh, fields built into sort of the tiered structure with these uh, large growing... Um, yellow uh, plants in there. So, looks pretty peaceful. Looks nice. And there's a little bit of a shop atmosphere of round two. A few little market stalls here and there. And the team is sort of uh, beamed in near the sort of the first, like, the central ornate structure. A little bit of a hubbub as a bunch of uh, uh, chagrins just sort of look and point and have a humble conversation as 
The big doors open on the main palace, and out steps the first speaker, flanked by two somewhat brawnier, but not particularly so, Uchagrins. They stand about four feet tall. The first speaker looks up at Grimnir, uh, standing up at the, the head of the... Um, Which, by the um, way, Grimnir okay. has a Type 3 phaser rifle, and he's holding it in, like, the traditional, you know, against his chest, pointed down, but, like, battle-ready. The first speaker uh, approaches Grimnir and says, Oh, magnificent outworlders, we greet you in kind and warm feelings, like fresh dew dripping off a springtime plant, tended by a small child with, uh, with a wonder in his eye. I am first speaker 32, and with that I shall welcome you and provide you with an enormous discount on the various wares here, token of our friendship and of hope that we can put unfortunate events behind us. Grimner looks down at him, looks at the waiting behind him, looks back at the guy, says, ditto. That's, that's, that's the word, right? Yeah, you just, you, but you hear the universal translator when you say ditto. The universal translator goes on for a while, translating ditto into their language. It takes a bit. So, the, the, the first speaker eventually nods and says, very good, very good. And... Should there be any cold breezes, do not hesitate to bring them to our attention. Anything at all, we welcome you here. Grimner perks up. I happen to like cold breezes. Where do I go for that? Uh, (laughs) the Chagan brings and says, uh, in literal fact, well, just about anywhere, it is the cold season now. Pleasant, but still bitter winter. Um... I should say that we have a little monument to Captain Gava uh, in in some preparation over by the waterfall. If you wish to pay your respects there, he was a very kind uh, officer. I believe he was a Klingon, as was said, and we hold him in the highest regard. Grimnir uh, slings his uh, his rifle on his back and I just uh, kind of throws it back there. He's like, I think I'm going to get along here. He slaps the, the, the guy on his back, on his shoulder, and he says, Indeed! Show me! I wish to see this. While all this is going on, by the way, Grawl is just looking around in absolute wonder, his claws tapping away on a pad, taking all kinds of notes. So, um, the first speaker leads the away team over to a waterfall structure, and it's small, it's just got uh, a bit of, you know, Bit of architecture going on, but a small patch of red flowers has been uh, laid at the center of the waterfall, and a few lights have been um, shining into the uh, water itself as well. And there is also a picture of a, well, rather old and weathered-looking Klingon in Starfleet uniform, um, standing happily with a bunch of Uchagrins. They do appear to have liked him quite a lot, and it's a bit of a shame that he was uh, killed during the attack. Grimnir tilts his head to the side, looks at his host, and says, Pray tell, what is the story behind this? I wish to know more. Well, the story is, we felt sad at Captain Gava's passing, and, well, felt we had to do something. We weren't just sure of his customs or anything of the sort, but we've done our best to pay respect to him as a honored member of the community. Um... 
certainly I would have respects no less or no more than, or no less than what we have uh, planning to put out, which is planned as well for the summer. Once that rolls around, uh, we are patient in our respects as well. But, I mean, do you wish to know the story of Captain Garver? Indeed, I do, Grimner says. But did did he live here for some time? No, he lived in the research settlement. You can see yonder, he points towards um, sort of the, uh, a sort of like, um, the city sits at the edge of a vast expanse of snow and deciduous forest, and off in the distance you can see a little bit of smoke and a set of charred buildings. And uh, the first speaker says, not quite with the tear in his eye, he says, Captain Gava, it's you, let the Chagrins um, scavenge. Let's set up a perimeter and then head in and see what we can find. Uh, Bryce nods, um, effectively setting up a perimeter by just looking around uh, with his phaser at the ready. Kara just starts immediately getting the uh, old tricorder out and tries to scan some of the scorch marks and see if she can determine anything useful from plasma residue. All right, let's give that a um, insight uh, insight and engineering. Also, so bad. So you just dropped out there. Yes. How much did you miss? Uh, fair chunk. Uh, we got to um, uh, oh, the, the start of um, the the wanting to know more, and then. Uh, oh no! Oh no! We're gonna have to re-explain what just happened. It was pretty great. All right. So, uh, for audience members, we will have to. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup there. We'll get back and explain what the away team was uh, up to. But uh, right now. We are currently at the uh, District Ruined Federation base and uh, taking a look around at what is... Um, oh, dear, oh, dear God. <laughs> we'll get to that role in just a second. Um, we'll, uh, we're just doing the initial scans. So, away team there. Um, that, that fine. Kara has rolled two complications. You have not yet earned momentum this game. I was just, uh, um, my joke is that the bombardment just starts up again and Kara's just vaporized. No, so Kara, um, you, you sort of walk around, and then you hear crunching beneath you, and then you fall down a hole. Ah! Wait, wait, hold, hold on a second. When, when, when Waitley did his thing, he got a lot of successes. Did that not earn, uh... Momentum, uh, or was that the successes he needed? No, 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 technically that, okay, so, um... Yeah, let's go ahead, and I'll give you guys a couple of momentum for that. So, Waitley trying to convince the captain to kill people has given us momentum. Yes, that has. Um, that's what we have for an Eldritch being as a counselor, ship counselor. So, anyway, you've got two momentum, but I'll say I'm not going to do anything terrible with... Not do anything terrible with Kara falling down a hole. You have just, she's just fallen down into sort of the basement of one of the uh, Federation research stations. There's a very faint ow. You need some help, Kara? Falls through a hole. You need some help? (laughs) Sets a rushes over the hole and says, Alright, someone grab me and grab my legs. Uh, I'll pull Kara back up. We could just use a rope. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. How are you? 
Alright, well, let's see if we can get you out of there. Um, Rick here just sort of looks down the hole and seeing um, how, how bad That's it is. That's a jump down the hole. Uh, uh, while Rick is um, investigating. Um, I demand a fitness in. security. Okay, we're doing a fitness security on that. I'm spending also two, two of my... Uh, I'll go ahead and spend a couple of threat on my own character here. Um, so, security is two, fitness is ten. Uh, yeah, uh, Rick, yeah, uh, can, can, uh, Setsa can... just landed on Kara. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Rick goes to, to, to grab Setsa, but it doesn't get it in time, and, uh... Roll to see if you fall now, too. <laughs> I mean... I landed on something soft, don't worry. <laughs> There's Kara's voice now. I am significantly less okay. Setsa just is now hurriedly seeing to Kara and just profuse with apologies. Uh, Rick, what you see down the hole, it doesn't take, you know, much, is that you actually see a somewhat intact um, equipment room. So, that's an upside um, to your investigation. I mean, it looks like you got a little bit of a space there that didn't take too much damage. I mean, still, like... Things are still scattered all over the place, partially from evacuation, partially because of things falling over from nearby bombardments. It wouldn't have been great to be in there, but, I mean, at the very least, it did look like the base would be hit especially hard. Right. An orbital bombardment could have just left a crater. It didn't. Can I do a structural scan to see if there's any access, if, uh, if we need to go down there, or if there's actually something accessible that we can rejoin them without any... You know, like having to. Yeah, so you can go ahead and do an engineering um, insight roll with tricorder, and then as far as anything applying for stuff, let's go ahead. Oh, I'm trying to find a character. <laughs> so, uh, I don't sorry, um, think I've got anything that's specifically structural. No, so no, no focus is applied. All right, one success. All right. One success. You're able to correlate um, maps uh, or a simple map of the compound that you have. I mean, it's not particularly good, but at least the local researchers have some documentation as to what it looks like. Now, you think there's, there's definitely going to be a way out. It's just a question of has that been obliterated? But at the same time, you're not. It doesn't look like you're pinned in um, if you go down that way. But it remains to be seen whether or not the uh, there's other damage that would block. The upside, though, is that, I mean, you could definitely get out via transporters. There's nothing um, blocking you in that way. No anti-radiation at this time. All right. Well, just blast up. I will, um, well, now, we've got uh, maps on the tricorder, so you should be able to work out if you need to um, get elsewhere. But, uh, I mean, we've got transporters. I can, we can call down for transporter inhibited, uh, enhancement enhances if we need, but, I mean, we should be fine with just beaming you up if you need. Alright, so do... Um, Captain Eli Graves hears kill them all. Wait a second. Who heard it this time? The, um, oh, that's just Graves. I mean, he's just doing his thing. But anyway, um, uh, Eli and uh, Rick, uh, do you jump down the hole too? Um, Eli taps his combat. O'Connor to Reliant. Uh, Reliant here. 
Can I get a 20-foot spool of rope? Sure thing. Anything else? Nah, nah, that's just it. Uh, maybe something to, uh, like, a, uh, a, a, a grappling rod, so the rope can, like, attach to things. I, I mean, say, we're going any down. Or, or anything heavy around that he could just tie it around? That's what I was planning on. Uh, well, like, when you, from my picture of, like, you guys beamed into a relatively open area, so it'd have to be a really freaking long rope to get to it. Alright, make it 50 place. feet. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we, we'd need uh, uh, something right. um, stable for it to tie to. So if we have, um, well, that's what Graves was. That's what Graves was suggesting, like a little grappling dually that would just like plonk. You could just like plonk it down. Like, yep, yeah, it's attached. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's attached. And then I think both Eli and I were expecting that there would be some remnant of building around that he could just tie the rope around, unless this place has been well and truly completely flattened. It's like for where I like I, I based this on the boundary map. The like Kara, there isn't one that's like super really close. Anyway, you have you a have rope a... that's long enough to tie to a nearby building. It's just it's, it's okay. I'm going back the to the twenty foot rope, but I want uh, I also want one of those comically large one ton weights. A heavy lord. Rick says, "We'll we'll get you some kind of prod that you can use to anchor the rope." Well, you're no fun. It takes us that large. I mean, do you really need the weight? Um, still do it. Maybe. Could use it as cover if something bad happens. Uh, we've also got cover deployables. Do you want, do you need more security down there? No, no, no. Okay, we'll get you some climbing gear. We'll just we'll send out a bunch. So uh, pick and choose what you need. We're what you just need. going down a hole. It's fine. <laughs> Graves, that's all right. Graves out. And you just get like a ridiculous, like, like well-stocked set of uh, like uh, climbing and rappelling gear, like beamed down to your location. At the end of the conversation, before uh, Graves ends it, he hears in his head, "I'll uh, I'll do some uh, hand waving magic." Graves, Grimnir tries to do that, but he actually doesn't get through to Graves that time. Uh, it's not Grimnir. Oh, or or Elgar. Waitley is the one doing oh, that. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so Waitley's the one doing it. Uh, I'll, for the sake of not driving Graves insane this episode, we can still, like, riff on this later. But I think he's gotten an, a sufficient number of creepy messages in his head. Okay. So, at any rate, we shoot back over to the um, social team. So to fill people back in on what happened, in between where we got cut off, and then where we're resuming. So I assume that the at some point in the conversation between um, the first speaker and Grimnir, that things got cut off. So the conversation at that point turned towards Captain Garva, the Klingon captain who was in charge of the research base, and him being a very good neighbor for the Chagrins. Um, there was a bit of snowing. Uh, Grimnir tried to show off by using the clear skies shout from Skyrim, uh, given where uh, Grimdeer is ultimately from. However, it did not work. It did impress, however, the Uchagrins, and everyone began shouting. Uh, I posted it in chat. It's. Lokvakor. Uh, Everyone's yeah. shouting Lokvakor, and in turn, um, like inadvertently, uh, gave um, uh, Garva a really good Klingon. <laughs> Klingon burial custom of shouting that the honored dead, that a warrior is approaching. 
And, and it probably gave Mary a very good chuckle. So, um, we cut back to the team. So you've seen the memorial to Captain Garva. And the Which first speaker... Grimnir is, respects. Like, when, when, when Grimnir is brought to the memorial, he says, I, I must pay my respects. And, and he kneels and... Like, he's got his phaser rifle, but he also still has his sword and shield. And and he kneels down and he lays his sword and his shield before the memorial. And he does a prayer to Kinnereth and says, By kind, let this soul rest in Stovacor. The Klingons call it thus, but it is the same as what I know. And and my my my, my brain is breaking right now it's 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 um god damn it um it's not stovacor it's not Valhalla, it's sovngarde thank you it is the same as sovngarde and i hope to see him there one so that i can challenge him and and, and so. grimnir does his very respectful prayer and respect and then he grabs a shield and his sword and he stands up and he looks at the first speaker and he says so, what was it you needed us to do again? The first speaker smiles and says, ah, We need not but uh, to continue our productive exchange. And he sort of like smiles and gestures towards the shop stalls. Mary scowls and shakes her head at Grimnir. Doesn't say anything. Grimnir says, Ready? We're, we're, we're here to defend some shop stalls? I thought we were here to do more than that. Yeah, you're here to, well, I would say, continue, hopefully continue and put minds at rest about the unfortunate business that happened. I mean, our sentiment is relatively self-sufficient, and we need not worry about too much here, but, well, continued Federation support would be most grand. The um, mission brief is also to figure out, like, if there was anything this. So, first speaker is not really going to tell you anything. Gotcha. Talking to locals in and around the stalls, they might provide you with additional information. So, he's pushing you over to the stalls. It may not be savory. Uh, like, it's like, okay, they, that, they don't really need us here. They're not really under any attack. Yeah, Grimner is very much leading into the, I can't believe this is what we're here to do kind of mentality. Yeah. But... They're just sort of like, it, the one clear thing is that they're not under attack. They don't see what happened as a threat to them. So, okay. what you, so basically what you need to do now is see if anyone else in the area knows anything. So after, after this, the, the, the first speaker leads Grimnir and the party over to the market area, and uh, Grimnir puts on the show of kind of, not being disgusted, but just, like, disappointed that this is what he's been assigned to do. After the first speaker uh, leaves, he, he looks at Mary, and who else is with him? Is Mary so and Chorog and... Thrall and Daniel. So it's Chorog, Daniel, and Thrall is the right. rest of your way team. So Checkers. I don't know... Oh, oh, and Checkers. Okay. So, I don't know Grawl or Daniel, but I do know Chorog and Checkers. So, Grimnir points at, 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 
uh, checkers and uh, uh, Chorogan says, all right, we have a job to do. We're supposed to find out what actually happened here. You two are two of the most social motherfuckers I know. I need you to go out and talk to these people and find out what actually happened. Can you do that? The Grawl is leaning into this scene as well. Mary looks at Grawl and says, I don't remember you being invited. Grawl looks very unhappy. Aww. So, um, so yeah, you've been given that directive. And call me, sir. Don't call me, sir. I work for a living. Now go do your thing. You got it. Grimner nods, looks at Mary and says, And you? And you do what you do. Mary just smiles and says, What do I do, sir? Grimner just scowls. <laughs> you too. E- e- Grimner looks at uh, Grawl and uh, uh, Daniel. Watch my back. I'm about to go piss some people off. So let's let's see what happens with Chorog and Checkers before Grimner goes people off. I will also, as DM here, I will also have Grawl and um, Daniel also accompany them as well. Not, oh, oh, you missed what I just said. Hmm. Grimner told Grawl and uh, Daniel to watch his back because he's about to go piss some people off. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I would also like to point out that you have just assigned the two least combat-capable people in this entire ground force to watch your back. I mean... I mean Grimner doesn't know. To, yeah, so... Well, yeah, Grawl looks like a little raptor, so... But also, um, Grimner is very confident in himself, so he doesn't really care. Checkers has smosen. Well, he is a little concerned about the fact his clear sky shout didn't work, so he's like, okay... I can't rely on that. We're going to find out what else I can't rely on. I just siphoned a point off of fitness today. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we take a break, uh, um, uh, let's go to Chorog and Checkers checking out the market. Yep. What do you think? I think we ought to maybe hit up the seediest bar we can find to his Loose enough to talk in there. See, you're thinking about this all wrong, and that's something I'm going to tell you. What we need to do is establish a business connection. Number one, we'll have a business connection. Number two, we can leverage that business connection to find out the truth. Tell them we don't want to worry about any liabilities. Well, I, which merchant do you think we ought to hit up first? Who looks the most desperate for money? That actually has stock. I'd say junk salesman. Exactly. Okay. I was going to say a side for Grimner. Charles looks around. He sees a small booth in a corner of the marketplace with a very shady-looking customer behind the behind the counter. That's who we talk to first. Exactly. Then we go to the bar. Yes, yes. This is before pleasure. You uh, look to the market stall. Although for Chagrins, I mean... Like a kitten's idea of seedy, or like you know, like little teddy bear people. They they don't really have the dynamic range that you would expect out of other humanoid species. So you you find a junk store. I mean, it looks like you know it, it's pretty haphazard. But at the same time, it, it's not like you've got weapons or anything else like that just hanging around, giving off a vibe of any kind of menace or major ill goodness. 
other chakras might not look kindly at the, uh, this particular spell, but at the same time, it's it's not blowing your socks off. And this is a Klingon base that blew up, right? No. It, like, you are in a settlement that is entirely from you, Chagrins. And there was a nearby Starfleet base with a Klingon Starfleet officer. Gotcha. So you approach the you approach the stall, uh, customers scampers away, and the um, the uh, the Uchagrin, uh behind the counter looks up to you and says, "Ah, greetings, greetings. Always appreciate the large outbuilders. They come with so many interesting things." Indeed. What do you got? Well, what would you say? Some lemon spice. It is something that some outworlders have tried. You have come away with an unmemorable experience. It is quite potent. Uh, we're looking for something a little more exotic. Say, do you have any kind of junk, junk plating, or armor plating, or deck plating? Oh, we have some. Plating here, we have some plating indeed. Some of this was pulled from a tractor, some of this was pulled from an old sill that exploded. Oh, old Dort. He tried to cultivate the god's nectar one too many times. The god's nectar? I was about to say, you can smell the alcohol on the plating. (laughs) Yes, it is very alcoholic. Um, the, 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 um, Uchagrin has a, sort of a slight sneer and says, Oh, I was able to pull a few things off the Starfleet base. Ooh, let's see this. Starfleet base, you say? Uh, he holds it, he presents a, yeah, that's a scrap metal, just like stuff he's just like ripped off, cabling, particular junk, and a tricorder. Is it the latest model tricorder? <laughs> Let me see that. With the that. purple stripe? It does yeah. not have a purple stripe. Let oh, me see that tricorder. So, the, the Utragran says, um, Yes. Well, don't think you've got any specs with you for, you know, currency. So what can you trade in return for this? Well, you mentioned the God's Nectar. We have some of the God's Nectar. Mary on the other side is just chuckling to herself. Much of the God's Nectar. An entire keg. We'll take your entire shop for it. Uh, Fortunately, the God's Nectar has brewed once every hundred years or so. Fortunately, none survived the explosion for all thoughts. I beg to differ. You're gonna, you're gonna want to try this. Um, hold on. I'll be right back. Um, Checkers goes over to find Grimnir. All right. So Grimnir. Grimnir has made his way into the bar. Because you did say there was a bar, right? Um. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, there was. I mean, someone said find a bar. I haven't introduced a bar yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Well, Grimner is looking for a bar or something similar to a bar, like something that fits that that idea. The best you could find is what appears to be like a fountain with a bunch of drinks over by Throne Garden. And, it, and there's a bunch like of people there. Than a bar. Okay, uh, same concept. There. All right. Yeah, so Grimner, oh, go ahead with the butt. Uh, so, um. Are you doing this before the before Checkers comes over here? Uh, yes. I, I'm assuming this is what's going on while they're doing what they're doing, and then Checkers is going to walk up while Grimner's doing this. Okay. okay. So you 
you approach what appears to be a small pleasant cafe. Alright, so Grimner walks up, then, and he looks around and says, Oi! Anybody know anything about the fight that happened a while back? And, and a small jargon says, Is that the one where old Sticky kicked, <laughs> kicked Mickle in the, uh, the place? Scuffled for quite some time after. He looks at Mary. He's at the fight. Mary just kind of smiles and says, and I, I think he already Grimner nods and says, Aye, it is. He sits down and says, Tell me more. Oh, <laughs> Mary just shakes her head. And you know what? And, uh, he didn't like it, so they scuffled in the street. Knocked over quite a few barrels of, well, feed and grain. Cost quite a lot. And the first speaker had a great talking to them. Ah, so the first speaker has a lot of power, you say? He is the first speaker. He stands over all and decides for the settlement. I mean, not quite a springtime branch leaning over pleasant glade, providing treasured sunlight, or treasured shade, but at the same time, we have nothing to complain about. Sticky was dealt with, you know, quite fairly under the circumstances. You say you have nothing to complain about. Don't believe you. Tell me more. Um, it's quite cold in the winter. I like the cold. Where I come from, it's very cold. Yes, but, well, information isn't what it was since we've quarreled with the neighboring settlements. Those settlements have made it warmer? Uh, settlements who make better insulation. Ah, uh, okay, I understand what you're saying. Mary's just like, uh, this is not where we need to be talking. Grimner's just like, shush, shush, shush. <laughs> I Tell find me where the more. place is. And this is where Checkers would walk in. Okay, I'll be- uh, also, just before Checkers walks in, do we want to take a quick ten-minute break before getting on to the last bit of the episode? Yes, please, yes, guns. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. Sorry to go on a little bit longer. Okay, so we are back, and uh, Grimnir has been approached by Checkers. So Grimnir is talking to this guy, and he's trying to milk him for information, and he's being dude thinking there's actually good information to get from this guy, and. Checkers walks up to him, and he stops, and he looks at him and says, Hey, I need to requisition something from you. Grimner scowls. What do you need to requisition? One of your barrels of mead. Those are back up on the ship. I didn't bring them with me. Well, I know that, but I just want your permission. I'm not going to steal them. Yet. He blinks. <laughs> I'm slightly concerned, but I'm curious to see what you're going to do with it. Computer, bring me one of my barrels of meat. One of you, like, as that is being, uh, well, as a barrel of meat is being beamed down, one of you Chagrins, one of the little ones, uh, hands a mug of cocoa to Grimnir. It's interpreting the, the request. Oh, this looks tasty. He takes a swig. It's very sweet and tasty, like drinking candy mixed with cake. You should taste some meat if you like this. Little one is a child. (laughs) Slams the mug down. Mary just shakes her head. Grimner grabs one of the bottles of meat off his belt, hands it to the kid. Oh, no. I'm sorry, I'm just dying with the idea that that Grimner has tactical mead. Oh, he does. Contributing to the delinquency of an alien miner. He literally has bottles of mead on his belt. 
Hey, some people carry grenades. Grimnir carries mead. Makes a good Several Molotov people. cocktail if you got the time. So uh, the, the the child, uh, Uchagrin, uh, just scampers off happily over to their parent, who takes mead and just waves at Grimnir. Grimnir waves back. All right, what were you saying? Here, here's your barrel. Yep, thank you. Checkers lifts up the barrel and leaves. So Checkers returns over Mary, to the shop stall. Do me a favor, Ensign Shepherd, and watch him. Mary just nods and follows Checkers. Checkers going back to the booth. So you are at the booth with a barrel. Checkers puts down the barrel, as promised, right here. Nectar of Gods. And that's good this... stuff, too. I is was going to this... say, it's Grimnir's mead. It's good. Is this truly the Nectar of the Gods? Taste it. Taste it. Ah, ah strong mess, not nectary. Nectar's sweet and filled with caramelish things is the tra- are trans- you implying, Are you implying this isn't? It's, well, good. I'll certainly happily take it and trade. It's just not quite the nectar. All right, let me, uh, let me sweeten the deal a little bit here. Just, you know, it's meat sweet. is sweet. <laughs> like, he was accepting, he, he sort of, like, the, the Uchagran just sort of blinks at Chorok as he says that, because he's like, I was going to accept the deal. We're, we're insulted that he thinks it's not of the gods. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll take more stuff. Chorok takes a flagon of venom off his belt. There. I'll add this on the deal as well. You drink that in combination with this, you're gonna, you are gonna see things that you've never seen before. You're gonna see God. I'll try that later. But for now, um, I certainly think you've warranted a trade of this material here. He hurriedly bundles up the Federation stuff, including the tricorder, and hands it over to uh, Checkers. Thank you, Checker says, taking the bundle. I'll also uh, take some of that spice. Uh, you, you, the, the, there's a slide nod from the shopkeeper and says, yes, uh, distinguished taste. 400 pounds, ah. please. <laughs> he blinks, he's like, I've got 12 at most. I'm dying. <clears throat> Suppose I could put that into little baggies and sell it, that works. <laughs> the trade is done. Do they look for any other contraband? Drugs, he needs some uh, odd-looking weapon parts. I'll take some of those weapon parts. Um, actually, specifically, you don't find weapon parts. It's not part of their culture to actually have those. Yeah, he did say that before. Power cells, though. Uh, they don't have good power cells. What you find are some, well, some trinkets, like little, uh, ornamented baubles, and some strange literature. I'll take some of that strange literature. Let me see. I might be able to read it in my spare time. Um, yeah, so you are... You're, you have a collection of strange alien literature. It is most strange. Very strange. Draw can sense the confusion on uh, Checkers' face. And Checkers is confused. He's just accepting. <laughs> I might be able to decipher whatever this is, and there might be information that can help us here. No, no, that's, that's instructions for an air hockey table. <laughs> okay. Alright, alright. Do you, you want to do a roll on this strange literature? See if it contains any relevant information to your mission. Sure. Okay, you're going to do a command um, insight roll, and I'm going to spend uh, most of my remaining threat. I'm going to spend three threats. So complication range is 17. Complication! 
Um, you think it's in code. Like, there, there might be something here, but it, it's just strange and indecipherable. Start noticing, though, that some of the pictures start to appear sensual in nature. Told you, air hockey table. Trog uh, goes over and just rolls his eyes as he realizes what he picked up. Okay. Great. So, I, got, I got an alien playboy. Air hockey. <laughs> Do you not see the table? This is from a Nausicaan. I'm now scared what Nausicaan playboy is. They're not right. Checkers, they're not playing hockey on that table. Of course right. they're not playing hockey, they're playing air hockey. There's that's a difference. Not, that's not air hockey either. Oh, you're, you know, you're right, I see it. Uh, they're playing pool together. Two pros okay. playing pool. That's Before we get pool. back, so we he just shakes her head, tonight. looks at Daniel and what, what, what's the other guy's name? Grawl? Grawl. Grawl. But they're over by the cafe if you haven't moved, or if the team hasn't moved over. Yeah, they're, they're with Grimnir. Yeah, they're, they're, they're with Grimnir, and, and, and Mary looks at them and says, Boys, you want to go do something actually useful? Yeah, okay, okay. Mary just nods, looks at Grimnir, gives him the look. He looks back at her with kind of a confuzzled look and just kind of does the shrug that he does when he's like, do whatever you do. She says, all right, come with me, boys. I got an idea. Quarrel happily hops along behind her, feeling useful. Please, she, me, she walks up to the first person she sees in the market and says, Greetings. I am a representative of Starfleet, and I would like to know more about the incident that happened. Is this the one where... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Charge just posted something in chat of just someone I leaning over it. at the table. I see someone it. For a sneaker shot. It's just a weird angle. But anyway. Okay. The, the alien says, Is that the one where Stiggy got kicked in the you-know-whats? Negative. I am referring uh, to the one where one of our people was killed. Oh. Yes. That. Sorry, sorry. Um, incident. Uh, what, what do you wish to know? I wish to know everything there is to know. Do you uh, have anything to tell me that is not in the records? I, I have not seen the records, so I would not be able to say. They, they look quite nervous. She, she gives him that very stern, you know, domineering look that Mary gets when she's about to go full god mode. I wish you to tell me everything. And with that, let's cut back over to the, um, the team exploring the research base. Okay, um, with with all the rope and the stuff that we've got sent down, uh, Rick here is going to actually try and uh, um, get a rope secured, tie it off, and then uh, get it down there to to uh, let people climb up. Um, so you're climbing back up rather than exploring the room that's relatively intact below you. I was going to go into the room. Well, I'm, I'm getting it set up so... Two-way traversal is available. Okay, so two-way traversal is available, but you did find a pretty decent entrance to the uh, facility. Yep. So, got that. So, yeah, so you've got... At this point, Car Car has stood up and has started trying to look around the room. Eli heads down, using the rope. Setsa is trying to tend to Car's boo-boos. Car's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. So, the room itself, again, is a sort of a equipment room. So, it has a bunch of survey gear, scientific gear, um, survival gear, and some light weaponry. So, nothing out of the place from, you know, a 
just any regular equipment place that you've been to in Starfleet. Kara does mark a lot of stuff as weaponry, as stuff that needs to be, you know, contained and brought back. So you do make those notes and make those tags, and you've got that equipment tagged for transport once you're done. Uh, Rick wants to try and do another, like, weapons analysis. All right, so you've got a insight engineering role. Actually, insight science on this one, let's say. Science? Okay. Um, can it be engineering? No, science. <laughs> okay, this is I feel like be he very... just wants us to have terrible roles. <laughs> I want you to succeed at daunting roles. Uh, let me double check my science. It's actually pretty low. I was going to say, the problem is when you make the roles daunting, we're less likely to succeed. Oh, I know. I, ugh, I know the answers to this possible question, so I, I, I don't think... Okay, so you got to see one. So... So for one success, you're able to identify that, yes, plasma damage did um, damage these buildings. Do note, though, that it was a focused plasma attack. It wasn't just a, just shoot a giant death ball and obliterate everything. These were targeted strikes, not to any particular location, more or less. It was just like, you know, let's rough up the base. So um, Rick just sort of looks at that his readings at the moment. He sort of ponders... Precise, aimed, and yet not, you know, it, it's, it's not sort of like a, it, it, like it, it's not a precision strike to take out something, it's just a, a, a disruption kind of sort of situation. Kara looks over, so basically like an artillery strike or a saturation bomb. It seemed whoever did it wanted them more out of the way than more distracted than actually wanting to kill them. Well, if they only wanted them distracted, they definitely did too much. So, you've got a few doorways leading out of this equipment room? Uh, yeah. Uh, Rick is also getting to it. I don't think I've said that before. Yeah, so, um, did you order uh, Bryce to come down with you? Or is he still um, holding the perimeter up top? Have him hold the perimeter. Yeah. Okay. So he is still on the perimeter up top. You are in the base. You have a map of the base, and you can try to navigate to obvious points the base might have, like its operations room, sensor room, generators. To the sensor room. Go to the sensor room. The sensors. Um, the sensor room. So oh, the sensors. On your way, you do find a bit of rubble that's sort of... Uh, a rubble and miscellaneous metal girders... Or, not girders, but... Miscellaneous metal debris that would that bars your way for easy passage. There is a small hole where a smaller officer would be able to squeeze through, but you could also try to clear it or find some other way of circumventing the problem. Oh, I want to do a scan see if we could get any like power readings. Is there any any power in the place? Um, there's going to be faint lights, but they're like emergency lines that have their own automated system. The main grid seems down. You get like a little bit of faint white light icon strips in the uh, hall. So you can see, you don't need to use your flashlights too much, but it's not, the base is offline. I mean, I could try and clear this pathway. I was going to ask who we have that's small enough to fit in there. I think the two smallest people are Kara and Setson. I think Kara beats her out. How tall are they? Kara's like just over five feet. Yeah, Setson is just about six foot, but slim. 
Oh god, Eli's shorter than Setson. Mary okay, is 5'2 so... and about 90 pounds. She's she also is. with she the other group. group. <laughs> yeah, she's also oh, with the other group. So yeah. Eli is 5'11. So, so, okay, so either you can send Eli or Kara through. You've already been injured. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I know. Eli's taken point. Okay, so for your calling roll, uh, fitness security. Just a second. And you have two momentum. Because of weightlifting. <laughs> two successes. You uh, slip right on through to the other side. You have now right, cleared yeah. the rubble for yourself. So the one thing you can see, though, is you can get a little bit more insight into, you know, how to make a bigger path from your side. So you don't necessarily need to, like, blast through the whole thing. You just need to, you know, move this and this around, and the hole's now large enough for everyone to get through, and it looks secure enough that you don't have to worry about any structural integrity. Let's do that. Okay, so you are able um, from this side to clear the hole to make it bigger, so everyone's able to wriggle their way through. One at a time, one at a time. Kara comes through after Sansa. Nick will bring up the. Uh, uh, Alright, so everyone um, sees what they see as they're passing through, and you're now on the other side of the rubble, and you've got a uh, clear path to the sensor um, suite. Or the base. Alright, Nods. Uh, Rick, do you think you could go take the uh, storage module out of that? Rather than try to restore power to a delicate system, I think it might be better to just grab the data and bring it back to the ship. Well, if, um, yeah, we should be able to uh, take the, the data systems apart. So, you approach the sensor room. So, it's a you know, just standard all room filled with a bunch of computer banks. Um, and I'll have everyone do an insight uh, security check. Okay, I finally got two successes, but seriously, stop calling me for insight. <laughs> Kara's good at the insight. No, she's I mean, not. She, t- she mathematically isn't, but practically is. Uh, I just got to do a roll for this here. So, uh, also, when I said everyone, it's everyone in this scene. Yeah, I, I was going to do a roll for weight weight, but... I, I yeah, don't think so, he's actually paying attention to them at the moment. No, I mean, he's got galactic, you know, things to think about. Sands of Conquest. <laughs> uh, so, once ex- or so Kara and Setsa see the thing. Like, you know, there's a bunch of, like, damaged consoles just because explosions nearby, consoles explode, um, bits of... Uses haven't been invented. This is Star Trek. Yes. You do notice, though, that on one of the consoles, like in the it's sort of the computer, you got like a this like metal fragment just sort of jammed in there. Eli notices it's like okay, that's a little bit weird for something just like it's a very energetic explosion, <laughs> exploding console. Leave that there. But Aaron sets to see that it's the tip of a bat. Kara goes over and points at it. So, okay, it looks like there was a fight here. There's part of a batleth buried in this console. Wait, I don't think the captain, the captain went down without a fight. They transported in here, didn't they? I don't know. I didn't get anything from the scans, and then someone fell on me. Well, if there's a batlith and a console, I'm assuming that, you know, they got in here somehow. Yeah, that would make sense. Unless somehow they're so trying to destroy now... the sensor console, which doesn't did, really make sense. Did we I recover a body? I don't think they tried to... Dis- I don't think it was intentionally attacking the console. I think the captain was probably swinging his batlith at an attacker and missed. Did they recover a body? I will say, yes, they recovered the body, but basically they beamed 
uh, Garva out, and then he basically immediately died. So uh, injuries of just various... They thought he had been, like, caught by an explosion. I'm going to take out my pad and look at the autopsy report. Okay, as you do that, um, Rick, you notice that the sensor um, data unit has already been removed. Someone already beat us here. The data module that stores the logs, sensor logs, is gone. Okay, somebody definitely didn't want us to know what happened here. There's a thump somewhere down the hallway. Uh, Kara just pulls her pistol out and aims it at the way into the sensor room. Um, it's still quiet. Setsu just sort of looks around nervously. Eli brings a finger up to his mouth to, like, shush them silently. Another slight thump. It sounds like it's, it's. It sounds like it's in the exact same place. Kara just I, gestures to him, like, "What now?" I'm going to go sneak towards it. Our, our what control. do I roll? Okay. Okay. Control security. And, and Rick's going to stealth uh, that, that over there as well. Oh boy! <laughs> I'm a. I've, how much momentum do we have? No um, any, right? No, you've got two momentum, so you can re-roll if. Yeah, so you can re-roll if necessary. I'm going to re-roll that 19. Okay. You did not have any threat, though. I didn't spend any threat on that. I'm going to still re-roll it. And just one die, so... Yep. Better. Alright, so you're both able to sort of sneak over and kind of like... You sort of notice that there looks like a shadow. Something standing against one of the lights. So you can kind of... You don't see what it is yet, but you see that there's something standing like around a corner in the hallway. Rick will look over to Dr. Eli to see what he, uh... He gestures to keep sneaking forward. And, uh, so do you round the corner? Uh, not round it, but peek it. Just gonna peek it, a little peek. Okay. Okay. Peek the corner, and then you see this. Okay, I... You I... see <laughs> a purple... You see a purple automata standing rigidly, facing the other direction in the hallway. Eli's gonna... Stop peeking his head around the corner and look to look to Rick here and just shake his head, very panicked. Uh, Rick doesn't have any idea what this thing is. So, as, as the two try to like communicate, like, what do we do? What do we do? Turns, thump, 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 and looks at where I assume by turning Eli would have pulled back, but it looks at where they were and starts to round the corner. Tactical retreat. I Eli mean, this is not waves, this is not in voice. Eli, but waves, Eli waves for Rick Tier to go back as he kicks out the blades in his shoes and gets ready to kick it. Uh, Rick will get out his uh, the corner. His phaser. Okay, so as it rounds the corner, you're going to try to kick it in a sensitive with, area to try with the knife shoes. With it doesn't have a sensitive okay, area. So, um, probably head. So I mean, this is just the this is this is just the construct of this particular faction. So, yeah. So you're able. You so you got the you got the blade, and you're going to try to go for a kick. So it's a fitness daring, or sorry, a daring security roll with a complication range of seventeen. Watch me fail now. Let's go. I mean, you yep. just decapitate. Up. Uh, okay. Let's keep it this way because this is a good. This will be a good way of ending the scene or ending the episode for this part one. So. You go for the kick, and you're sort of like, you're just short. So you just basically 
kick in front of its face, and you don't actually hit it with the knife. And you're just sort of standing there, with this construct, looking, like, not just looking at you. It sort of holds out a hand, and there's sort of like a little bit of a charge to it. And as that happens, a bluish-green um, beam just basically slices directly through this thing's head, and it falls over. I think I got it. He's so sarcastic. <laughs> that, is, that is the most self-delusional thing I think I've ever heard someone say. I, sa- I added, he says sarcastically. <laughs> sarcastically. And as you say that, a figure standing on the other side of the hall lowers their weapon. And you sort of see in the, you can see in the dim light that the face has tattoos. A certain pattern of like V-shaped ridge on their forehead. It's a Romulan male with glowing green eyes. And he just sighs. And that's where we're ending the episode. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us tonight on part one of Entropy Redux. This is a retelling of one of my Foundry missions with a little bit of tweaks here and there. So, again, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me tonight. Our cast and crew here at Star Star Trek Reliant really appreciate you tuning in for us this week, and we'll try to be back with the conclusion to this episode in two weeks here. Um, if you have anything to send to us, our email is reliantstarbaytcc.com, or you can poke any one of us on Twitter around the Star Trek community. So with that, again, thanks for tuning in to us uh, tonight, and we'll see what happens next in a couple of weeks' time. Say goodnight, everyone! Bye. Good night, everyone! Good night! And Good especially morning. you, Rick. I don't know, is there somebody named Rick? Not Rick Tier, Rick, just like a random guy watching. Yeah. We, we like you, Rick. We see you, Tim. This episode, is dedi- this episode is dedicated to you, Steve.